very short passage of scripture. It says, for many are called, but few are chosen. The NIV version says it like this. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Father, we come tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ, asking you, God, to speak to our hearts and lives. I know, God, you put in my heart, there's a declaration you want to make to the, to the believers tonight. There's something you're wanting them to understand before they ever leave this place tonight. And I pray, God, that you help me deliver that, what you put in my heart to speak. Anoint me, God, and give me the clarity to speak, God, that all might understand. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise to be in your house tonight. And everybody says, praise the name of the Lord. Church, our nation is struggling with an identity crisis like never before. And because of this agenda of the woke, it's at an all-time high. We got so many people who are so confused about who they are, don't have a clue of their purpose or the direction for their lives. That's why now more than ever, people need Jesus Christ because Christ has a plan and a purpose for their lives. But yet, I must also say, many Christians are living way beneath their privileges. You really don't know who you are in Christ. You don't understand the power and the spiritual authority that you have over this world. So tonight, we're going to talk about it because it's time. It's time for the body of Christ to rise and shine and let our enemies be scattered. Because we're made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. You've got to understand tonight you have been chosen. And I hope before this night is over, you understand who you really are. I want to take you now to two more little passages of Scripture. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, So God created men in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Verse 20, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. These scriptures validate the truth that from the beginning of God creating man, male and female, he said them. So when I say man, I'm talking male and female. He gave man authority over the earth and everything in it. He said they were to what? Multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That word subdue there means rule over it. And that man was to have dominion, meaning authority, over everything. So here was the instruction for man on this earth. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue it, have dominion. And the scripture expresses God's plan for his people, his church, to have power over this earth. And God is really speaking through me to this church in an effort to awaken this old sleeping giant up once again to its purpose and its calling and reminding us through him we do have power and we do have spiritual authority. Because Christ has given us the keys to the kingdom to overcome the world, the kingdom of darkness, because he's already, already overcome the world. His church has got to understand its spiritual authority and responsibility to the kingdom of God and who we are in Christ before the church will ever believe it can truly make a difference in our world. The church has come alive by the spirit of God by the unction of the Holy Ghost, once again revitalizing our spirits. There's something you should understand about revival, about a move of God. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Now, I want to make a point about preachers real quick. That will be relevant to this sermon. We're humans. We bleed like you do. We hurt like you do. We go through tough times like you do. We suffer like you do. At times, what we preach is driven by our own persecutions and past experiences and present encounters. Our spirit rises up in us to combat the spirits of this age. We live in the same culture you do. We live in the same city you do. Our lives are affected by it just like you. We understand that innocence can be harmed. Right living can be attacked. Faithful servanthood can be despised. Sometimes people don't understand the hell we've been through to bring a word to you. And as a minister of the gospel with the spirit of God dwelling in you, when you face demonic foes and influences, you do not back down. You do not run. Because the spirit of the one that is in you rises up in you and is greater than he that's in the world. That's what the God meant when he said, by the power that worketh in you. When Jesus was confronted by the demonic full of demons, he didn't back up nor run away. 
He stood and he faced his enemies by the authority that had been given to him. Notice I said authority. There's a difference between power and authority. Jesus knew all power in heaven and earth was been given to him by God. So you see, if Jesus lives inside of me and the Holy Spirit has been set to guide me and walk along beside me, then greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And many don't understand spiritual authority. Did not Jesus tell us? And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. There's the authority. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There's the power. So it's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. And we have the power to overcome the world because the he that lives in us overcame the world. Come on, somebody. We're going somewhere. Ephesians 6 and 12 identifies our spiritual battles. We're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness, against spiritual weakness, and high places. All this wicked stuff we're going through is nothing more than spiritual warfare. It's nothing more than good versus evil. The enemy has an army, and God has an army. Thank God I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. Because the good news, if you read your Bibles, we win. And I've come to declare tonight it's chain-breaking time. It's been preordained to preach that, that when sin abounds, so much more will grace abound. We're fighting an enemy we cannot see with the natural eye, only his footprints of destruction. All we can see is the manifested results of his destruction in the lives of people that we love. And a natural response will never defeat our spiritual enemy. Did you hear me? That's why rehabs and institutions and medication alone will not bring about true transformation. Only the washing of the word will regenerate and only the spirit of God will renew our minds. The only guaranteed method of transformation is the supernatural act of being born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, which is only done spiritually and not naturally. Hallelujah. Church, we are living smack dab right in the middle of our enemy's kingdom. Satan's dominion, which rules over. He's the prince and the power of the air. Yes, I'm talking about here on this earth. Jesus said, this darkness as I speak, many are being deceived, they're being seduced, they're being manipulated, and they're even being destroyed by Satan. So many are like sheep being led to a slaughter because they don't have a shepherd, not just a shepherd, but a good shepherd. And there's only one shepherd that's been called good, and his name is Jesus. And those of us that are his sheep, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. He said, my sheep will know my voice. That's who I want to speak tonight to. I want to speak to his sheep. I want to speak to the chosen. I say to you, hear the word of the Lord. You might be persecuted, but you're not abandoned. You may be struck down, but you're not destroyed. It's chain-breaking time. And God's going to open some eyes tonight. Somebody in here is going to testify for this night is over. I was blind, but now I see who I am in Christ. And by the authority of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, I come to break the curse of witchcraft and sorcery and generational curses and demonic influences off the lives of his people. I've come to serve notice to demons and demonic influences that this is that. People are bound. Joy is depleted. Chaos is to morning. Anguish is defeating. But before this night is over, God's going to have your enemy retreating. Come on, somebody. Now, no one wants to admit or accept their struggles are because of demonic assaults, that their character has been altered by demonic influences. No, we just sit around and we blame someone for our troubles because it's so much more civil, isn't it? So we fight with one another while our enemy laughs us while we do it. This room is full of people who would probably never consider your struggle is because of a demonic influence or an assault on your life. You won't buy that, that you are being targeted, therefore leaving you blinded and deceived. I'm implying as a believer you are an enemy of the devil. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy you with his influences. And the seriousness of that is if you don't defeat your enemy, your children and your children's children will face your enemy. But tonight, God says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel and to set these captives free. Hallelujah. You see, the footprints of revival when God is being exalted and the enemy is being defeated. It's God's desire to start a fire in someone's heart. Will that spark of a revival, will it be you or you or you or you? Come on, somebody. Every mighty move of God never started with a committee. It started with one man or a woman. God would use one man who would turn a town upside down. When God started to create all of humanity, he started with one man. When God got ready to bring deliverance to Israel, he called one man named Moses. Told him, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And as a result, 400 years of bondage was broken. 
When famine came to Israel, he used one man named Joseph to feed the nation. He knew if he could get Joseph out of the famine, Joseph could get his whole family out of the famine. Are oh, you hearing me? That right there will preach. When God got ready to restore the city of Jerusalem after being destroyed by its enemy, he used one man named Nehemiah to lead his people to rebuild the city, walls of their city. When God got ready to prophesy his return, he used one man named Isaiah. Hallelujah. When God wanted to let Israel know his heart was broken over their disobedience, he used a weeping prophet named Jeremiah to tell them. When Nineveh turned from God, he used one man named Jonah who preached to them and they repented and the whole nation was spared from God's judgment. I could give you story after story. One man with God on his side can revolutionize a whole city. And I come to tell somebody that next one he will use could be you. The devil's afraid of one man who's under the power and the spiritual authority of God. He's so afraid of a godly man or a godly woman that he's been sending out abortions to kill every child he can for years in an attempt to kill the one. For years and years, he's been trying to kill the next prophet, the next prophetess, because the devil knows if they ever get loose, everything connected to him or her would get loose too. Strongholds will be broken. Generational curses will be broken. Territories will be defeated because he knows whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why the devil's been fighting you all your life. He knew you were one of the ones. Some of the most anointed people I've ever met have been through the most suffering I've ever heard of. One thing after another in their lives. Why? Because you're one of the ones. You are a jailhouse breaker, a mountain-moving, giant-killing, tongue-talking, devil-stomping, child of the Most High God. Come on. And if you just knew who you were, who God intended for you to be, the power and authority you have as a child of God, your eyes would open up to a new revelation of your despair. You would realize all this time you've been going through what you've been going through is not because your last name is Jones. It's not because you ain't got no money. It's not because you live on the poor side of town. It's not because of your skin color. No, no, no. All that has happened to you has been because you have an adversary called the devil who wants to destroy you because he knows you're one of the ones. Come on, somebody. He found that out about Job. He found out he couldn't defeat Job because he was one of the ones. And so he knows he's got to take you out before you ever find out you're one of them. He had your grandpa convinced he was a loser. He had your daddy convinced he was a loser. But I've come to tell you not the devil is a liar. I said you're a winner. You are a winner. I declare that you're one of the ones. So now it's too late, devil. Now they know. How do you like me now? I just rained on your parade with the truth. And the truth is going to set somebody free. You should have killed them while you had the chance because knowing what they know now, your assignment has just been officially canceled. Booyah! And sir, ma'am, young or old, if you ever get loose, your whole family is going to get loose and the curse of sin will be broken and you will turn things upside down for the glory of God because all the things you've been going through are going to work together for your good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Far too many have come to believe that with their problems and their circumstances and their tragedies and their past failures, they can never do any good when they've done so much bad. Come on. Now, l listen to me loud and clear. Come on, lean in. A little bit closer, okay? Devil isn't trying to kill you because of who you are as much as he's trying to kill you because of who you are. Because of the fact that you're a blood-bought child of God, now you have an enemy that hates you. He wrecked your family two generations ago, and then here you come along and get saved and mess his plan all up, and now you think he don't hate you? He hates you now more than ever. Upon you being born again, behold, all things are passed away, and you are a new creature. The blood of Jesus Christ breaks the curse. But the problem for many is you're still living like you're cursed, and God sent me here tonight to deal with this. The devil is a liar. And it's sad to see you're like a horse who's encountered an electric fence. Even though the fence has been torn down, you won't leave the yard. Because you got shocked one day and now you're scared. Even though the curse is broken, you won't leave your mess. God has sent me to tell someone the truth so the truth can set you free. You are more than a conqueror. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show the forth the praise of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The fact is Christ is risen, sin is broken, and you are one of the ones. Come on. 
Hallelujah. God's looking for that one that will believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key to this night, to you being one of the ones, is you have to believe it. Your failures are a result of you believing your enemies lie, lie such as, don't nobody care for you, you're not good enough, you're a mistake, you're just like your daddy, you can't live it, maybe you're not, but you could if you believe it, you could. Hey, at salvation, you were not just saved, just made a Christian, you need to read the rest of the story. You were made more than a conqueror, you're more. I said, you're more, and you're more. Tell someone, I'm more. Now tell yourself, I'm more. Now, if you would, stand to your feet, and let's say this thing together with me. Come on. Stand to your feet. Say this with me. I am more, I am more than, a than a conqueror. Let's let the redeemed the Lord say so. So say it again loudly this time. I am more than a conqueror. One more time. I am more than a conqueror. Until you can say it like this, you ain't got this. If you think I'm trying to stir something up, you are exactly right. I'm trying to get to stir up them gifts that are inside you. I'm trying to get somebody here free by your own confession of faith, by spiritual authority. You have to proclaim it in order to claim it. Hallelujah. Give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's trying to get his church to overcome their fears and to rise and shine and let our enemies be scattered. Oh, give me a minute. I got to deal with the ones who think it's for everybody else but me. Those that say it's for those preachers and those teachers and the ones who live on the good side of the tracks. The ones who haven't done what I've done. If you think so, well then, let's talk about a man named Philip. He's in the Bible. He's not a prophet. He's not a preacher. He's not a teacher. He was just a member of a congregation at one point who did become a deacon. On the day of Pentecost, he'd come to disciples, were on the move, spreading the gospel and working miracles in the neighborhood. A Holy Ghost outpour revival at his finest was taking place. Things were happening. Things were multiplying. They were being fruitful. The church was growing, becoming overwhelmingly busy. To help with this matter, God instructed disciples to choose seven men full of the Holy Ghost to oversee the business of the church. Holy Ghost businessmen. I like it. We need some. And Philip was one of the ones chosen. Well, shortly thereafter, the enemy wasn't going to let us by and just watch this Holy, Holy Ghost party last forever. Persecution begins to come against the church. Stephen's target. He was stoned to death. And upon this happening, the church scattered. Upon this scattering, Philip, against a desire, goes down to Samaria as instructed by God, and he begins to preach Christ to the people. Now, this city was a rough city, actually a rough region. Scholars say it was a region where demonic influences strongholds over the city a city where paganism was rampant, the city where a man known as Simon the Sorcerer had taken over this city with his witchcraft antics. But little did Simon know deliverance was coming, that God loved those people of Samaria enough to send a man, to send one of the ones there. Philip had slipped into the city. No one was even aware of his presence. After all, he was just one man. Demons and demonic influences were controlling the region, but little did they know a spiritual revolution had started not too many miles from there. You see, a Holy Ghost fire can't be contained. It spreads. It's communicable. God had lit a fire in Philip's heart and now has led him to this pagan city on a mission. Philip, now full of the Holy Ghost, began preaching, and things began to change. Strongholds were being broken. He spoke not just with power, but he spoke with spiritual authority. Philip was proving all it takes is one good man or woman full of the Holy Ghost who's not afraid to do something for God. So many Christians are like, we can, what can we do? i tell you what you can do, you can, how you can start doing something. Start speaking. Open your mouth, and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living waters. Our problem is we're afraid to speak. Have you forgotten there's life and death in your tongue? And that silence is not a weapon of warfare, nor is it an authoritative action. It's through your voice that power is released. You want to know how to have spiritual authority? Speak the word of God that declares his word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it can pierce the hearts of men. With your voice, sing praises to God. It'll ambush your enemy. With your voice, pray the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man. Speak it, sing it, pray it. Hallelujah. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that gives you the power to be his witness to the uttermost parts of the earth, to declare the things of the God to every creature. Simon the sorcerer had entrenched this city with demonic foes. He had cast spells on this region, forming what the Bible calls principalities. They form demonic magistrates over whole regions. They are territorial. They're enforced by the power of Satan. Nothing has changed. It's still happening today. 
But nobody's talking about it. Well, I'm going to. You'll notice you will travel from city to city. You'll see certain spirits more prevalent than others. In certain cities, homosexuality is rampant. Some cities, it's addictions. Some cities, the spirit of indifference. Some cities, they have dominant religious spirits. In some cities, perversion is more rampant. Racism, poverty, lust. They exist because of the demonic influence over a region. Demons set up strongholds, and many people can't be free because of them. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about neighbors. I'm talking about men, women, and children. They're snared by them. There's chaos. There's crime. There's abuse. There's societies that are completely out of control in this day and age we're living in. And sadly, it remains that, that way until someone confronts them through spiritual warfare. Serious stuff tonight. Let me remind you, when Jesus came to the tomb of the gatherings, and found the demonic man possessed with the devil. When Jesus got ready to call the demons out of the man to set him free, listen to what the demons said to him. Suffer us not to leave the region. In other words, they were saying, we don't mind leaving the man, but we won't want to leave this territory. That confirms what I'm telling you about them. They have strongholds, they have territories, and they have regions. They said, we don't even care if you put us in pigs as long as you don't give up the region. Let's go deeper. What I want you to understand is what many don't understand. Satan has a highly organized operation. Don't ever underestimate he has power. Demons are not disorganized. When they come against you, they come in order. They come in full force. They come strategically. They know you and every move that you make. They know your strength and they know your weaknesses. They wait to attack during the times of your vulnerability and the weakness or your slothfulness. They don't just attack you to hinder you. They come to kill, steal, and destroy you. And the Bible says when Jesus got ready to call the demons out of this man, he said to them, what is your name? They said, we are legions, which meant many. Legion means we are regimented. We are an army. You understand when the demons march, they march in unity. I will remind you, when they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Bezizable, Jesus said, oh, no, Satan has a kingdom, and Satan's kingdom is not divided, for a house divided against itself cannot stand. I will also remind you that from Genesis to Revelations, you'll never see a demon fighting with another demon. You'll never see a principality fighting with another principality. From Genesis to Revelations, you'll never see a witch fighting another witch. Evil is not divided, church. It's on a mission. Yet when we look at the church... You see preachers fighting against preachers. You see denominations fighting against denominations. You see church members fighting against church members. It's because we don't understand the power of unity and order. We got wildfires and brush fires and campfires when what we really need is a Holy Ghost fire. Hallelujah. We got to have some order back in the house of God. We got to put unity back in this body because if one puts the flight, uh, 1,000, two can put the flight 10,000. We got to get a hold of all the wild, chaotic stuff that's going on in the house of God because disorder is a work of the enemy. God is not the author of confusion. Satan uses his order to bring disorder to the house of God. Everything that's done in the church ought to be done in decency and order. And God is slamming down his gavel in the heavens and he's last declaring, Order, order, order in my house, declaring to this church, sir, ma'am, you're out of order. If we want God to give us any, any of his outpouring of his spirit, then we got together in this place and get in one mind and one accord so that suddenly a sound of a mighty rushing wind can hit this place and God will place tongues of fire upon our heads and we'll all speak in other tongues and hit the streets of this city and turn it upside down for the glory of God. But not only his power, but with his spiritual authority so that we can be fruitful, so that we can multiply, so that we can subdue and have dominion. The devil has power, but he does not have authority over Jesus Christ. Christ took it away from him when he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Someone shout order. God is demanding order in the house, whether it's in the church house or whether it's in your house. It's time to tell little Junior, if you're going to stay in my house, it's time for you to get your stuff together, son. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I go a little bit deeper? Not as the only enemy after regions. And yes, our region, he's after houses in the region. And when I say houses, I don't mean just your address. Because it don't matter where you live. I'm talking about everything that has ever been born out of your loins. When the enemy invades a city or a house with a curse, if it hits the city and it's not dealt with, it will affect your house. If it hits your house, 
is not dealt with, it will affect your children and your children's children. Are you hearing me? Are you getting this? The meth across town can end up in your house. I'm not mixing any words tonight. I know what I'm talking about. Spiritual warfare is real. If you don't know this, you got your head in the sand. We got people sometimes, even friends or loved ones, getting busted every day for crimes, and rightfully so, but all we ever deal with is the people doing the crimes and not with the one who's driven them to do the crimes. And meanwhile, prisons are getting fuller and fuller as well as our cemeteries. What am I saying? When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus was aware who, was, who, who the man was that was putting the sword in his side, but he also was aware who was causing this man to do it. He even asked God to forgive this man because he doesn't even know what he's doing. That's why he went down to the depths of hell and faced the instigator face to face, took the keys of death, held in the grave, so we could have authority over him as a believer just like he did. I've been in spiritual warfare ever since I was born bound by curses until I kneeled down at my bed one night and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Now, as a believer, I have fought and fought and fought for my family and those I love dearly, and I will die fighting them before them because this is a fight I have to win. I can't, I can't back up. I can't give in, and neither can you. There's not a one family in this room who's not faced Satan's of opposition or been affected by his strongholds. This isn't a new thing the enemy's doing. It's old game. Driven by fears and lies, he's going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom may devour. His roar has paralyzed his targets, making them easy prey. He has the power to do it, but he doesn't have the authority to, to, to defeat a child of God. Satan's just more aggressive than he's ever been because he knows his time is short, and he's got to get to you or them before you hear the truth. He knows if you get free, you'll fight for everyone you love to be free. He knows you have the power and the authority to do it, but do you know that you have it? He's been attacking houses from the beginning of time. Right off the bat, as soon as God created Adam and Eve's household, he attacked it. He attacked the house of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They faced his opposition. He attacked the house of David. He attacked the house of Issachar. And now he's attacking the house of the Johnsons and the Robinsons and the West and the Millers and the Sells and your house and your house and your house and your house. Why? Because you're one of the ones. Just like in the cities, you can see certain spirits more prevalent in one household versus another. If you look at the family tree closely, you might find you're still fighting grandma's devil or mama's devil. Grandma was divorced, mama's divorced, and you're about to be. And naturally, you're believing it's all his fault. While the enemy stirred up the mess, stands in the shadow, laughing, claiming victory from one generation to another. It's a spirit. It's not about her making more money than you. It's a spirit. It's not just about his drinking. It's bigger than that. It's a spirit. It's not just about her actions. It's a spirit. Jezebel was a woman who's controlled by a spirit, driving her to do evil. That's why you got to be careful what house you move into. Because some of you married into a spirit, now you're fighting it. And you were happy until you got that family. Don't nobody shout amen right there. Never misused a drug in your life. Now you and your husband both are addicted. Daddy raised you better. When you hooked up with that joker, you're shacking up. It's okay with you. It's a spirit. It's holding you there. I know I'm preaching to somebody. Maybe they're online. But let me cite some examples of the Bible. So don't nobody think I'm talking about them in here. Rebecca was a trickster, a con artist. She lied and connived to her own husband and manipulated her own children. But look at her uncle Laban. He was a trickster, a con artist, a liar also. And her son Jacob, he was a trickster and a con man. You getting this? It's a spirit. It's more than a DNA requisition. It's a generational curse. Because when the spirit of God got in the family, it said, suffer me not to leave the region. The curse became generational. How about old David? Oh, yeah, David, King David. David was dysfunctional. It went from Jesse all the way down to David. David was ostracized by his father. Yes, David was anointed, but he's dysfunctional. He had a lust spirit that had been dealt with. It came in through the rejection of his father. The enemy saw an open door and planted a seed in his life when he was young. Let me tell some folks, why the enemy placed stuff in your life when you were young, because you were vulnerable. He planted in not to destroy you then, but to destroy you at another crucial time in your life. You see, David's greatest failure was when he was king. Not before he was a king. The enemy didn't want to destroy a boy. The enemy wanted to destroy a king. Because if he destroyed a king, it would affect a whole nation. That spirit of lust led him to commit adultery, even murder. 
Don't wonder then David's son Absalom was deceitful and treacherous, and his son Abner raped his daughter Tamar, and his son Solomon had so many women, he lost control of his kingdom, and because there was a spirit in the house. The truth, nothing has changed. The enemy is still attacking, destroying homes, but we as believers should be overcoming his vices through the power of God. You won't break these things with motivational programs, mind-altering drugs, self-help books, government intervention, social programs, or rehabs. It's a spirit, and it takes God's spirit to conquer your enemy's spirit. Whatever spirit entrenches themselves in this region will affect our homes, our families, if not dealt with. Hang on, I'm heading somewhere. I prayed and I've asked God, tell me what spirits are most dominant in this region. He spoke to me. I'll say it. I won't stutter a minute to tell you. He said addiction, perversion, and poverty. Addictions, drug, legal and illegal, alcohol, pornography, perversion, child molestation, sexual abuse, immoral access, sex, adultery, poverty, high school dropouts, defeated mindsets, financial bondage, health issues, bondage. These are magistrates of this region we live in. Be honest, has any of these affected you, you or someone you know? These strongholds must be broken. This war can only be won spiritually. Demonic foes are trying to dominate a whole region. How do we battle this? We need a Holy Ghost-filled revival. Right here, right now. Nothing has changed from Genesis to now. We got to be fruitful. We got to multiply, subdue, and have dominion over these things. How? By the power of the Holy Ghost and the spiritual authority of Jesus Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. For what's been happening here in the last few months needs to break out into a spiritual revolution for this region. And God has strategically positioned us to use us to break the chains. He started with us. He's reviving his church to send it out. He's speaking to us clearly. We had the keys of the kingdom. He's going to send us out like he did Philip into the region to destroy the works of the enemy. How did Philip do it? He was a witness empowered by the Holy Ghost who went around preaching Jesus Christ with spiritual authority. We can't sit around in here and hope they show up in here. We got to go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come here. He's saying, get ready. I'm empowering you to break every chain if you'll be willing to be one of the ones. And God is saying, piles of praise, if you will be the one. God is wanting to raise up an army in the piles of praise that will rise up and be one of the ones. And then I'm going to send a revival or breakthrough anointing that when you go out and you war and you fight and oppose the demonic foes all week, when you come back here on Sunday, this place is going to be a spiritual refuge to you. You might fight all week long, but come Sunday. I'm going to heal you, I'm going to refresh you, and send you right back out to destroy these strongholds in your families, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your neighborhoods. And God has strategically placed every one of us where we're at for a reason, to conquer this region. I'm telling you this. When I look around in this room tonight, when I see Zach and I see Amy, God has you're chosen you. You are the ones that have been called and chosen to speak to this young generation. To this youth group. Where's Lucas at? Lucas in here? Stand up, Lucas. Lucas, you're one of the ones. God has chose you in your schools to be one of the ones. Young people, all the youth department, stand up. Young people, you are ones of the ones that God has chosen for this hour and this time to make a difference in those around you. Christway Recovery, stand up back there. God has chosen you. You're the ones that God's going to use to reach those that others cannot reach. In this hour, you've been chosen. You're one of the ones. Junior, stand up. You're one of the ones God has chosen in your family to make a difference, to make a big difference. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Mike Burton, stand up. You're one of the ones God has called to preach the gospel. God has chosen you to preach the gospel. Make a difference in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has chosen people 
Terry Lawrence, God has chosen you to be one of the ones at your workplace, to walk in with the authority and the spiritual power of God in that workplace and make a difference. But you know what? Every believer in this place is one of the ones that God has chosen to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And it's time for us to realize we do have the power, we do have the spiritual authority to speak to those things, to break those things, to bind those things, to loose those things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But we just somehow realize, don't realize how much power and authority we do have. And the church has got to realize we have been given that by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This place is full of people that have been chosen, that when the broken and the desperate and the distraught walk in these doors, that there's anointing in here that's going to destroy the yoke of their bondage. Thus saith the Lord. Can revival change a region? Let me share a true story. I'm about to close. The Bible says that when Philip, just one man who was chosen, got down to Samaria, he preached with power and such authority that the Spirit of God that was in him began to break down strongholds. Get ready, church. There's going to be a preaching spirit here of mass destruction that's going to damage the enemy's kingdom. We're going to look right at people and speak to their strongholds, and we're going to lay hands on them, and they're going to break free. I hear the chains falling. We're going to preach with power and spiritual authority to every demon runs out of them doors. There's folks going to come in here in bondage, and then God's going to deliver them, and then they're going to leave here, and they're going to go fight for the rest of their lives for their family to get free. So how many of you are feeling this right now inside of you? Something's breaking loose. You're fixing to have a breakout party. You're having thoughts you haven't had in years. You're feeling a stirring that's beginning to start taking place in your soul. It's God imparting to you power and authority. You're finally thinking, I can get out of this. I can overcome this. I don't have to live like this. Someone's about to run free in this place. Who am I preaching to? Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? And right now, would you lift your hands? And would you begin to invite that revival spirit? into your life are you the one of the ones God's calling you then you got to get free first you got to say God look inside of me and drive out of me even what I didn't know was even in me some in here have come in here week after week shouting and praising God while you've been going through hell. Well, tonight is your night for a breakthrough. God's going to give you the power to overcome your circumstances. If you'll dare to believe that you're not just in church, but you are in the presence of God, you got to get ready to fight, church. Someone's got to get up here tonight and declare, this will not pass on to my children. This will not pass on to my son. This will not pass on to my daughter. This will not pass on to my grand. The curse will be broken in the presence of God. My sons won't have his daddy's lust problem. My daughter won't have my drug problem. This poverty spirit will be broken. My son's going to college. Satan, I have come tonight to serve you in eviction notice. I call you out of every house in the name of Jesus. Shout with me. Satan, in the name of Jesus, get out of my life. Get out of my house. Get out of my family. Get out of my school. Get out of my city. I want to tell you whatever takes place in you tonight in this house will translate to your house tonight. You'll walk back in them doors at home with a new attitude. There's a new sheriff in town. And you'll declare enough is enough, not in my house anymore. You'll grab you a bottle of anointing oil. I encourage you, anoint every doorpost in your house. Anoint every room in your house. If you got folks there trying to interrupt you, sling it on them too. Right now, whether you need a curse broken or you want to be a curse breaker, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. I'm going to ask you to come and stand. I want you to truly understand who I'm calling. I'm calling the chosen ones. If you're a believer, I'm calling you tonight to this altar to come here. Because when you get here, something I want to speak over your life. So if you would, every chosen one. And chosen. Come on. Everyone that's chosen. Every believer, I'm asking you to come to this altar tonight. As a body of believers in unity, in harmony, together. Stand. I want to talk to you. The scripture said that many are called, but few are chosen.
Andrew, you're one of the ones. God's chosen you. To be called is to be invited to follow Jesus. To be chosen is to be chosen to accept the invitation and do what is necessary to accept the invitation. God calls us, but those who are chosen are those who wholeheartedly accept the invitation and its condition. Why are there so few who are chosen? Because not many want to pay the price. In order to be chosen, you have to show that you really want this with all of your heart. First of all, to the breaking of the curses, would you lift up your hands all across this congregation? Father, tonight, we break the curse of child abuse in this region. Father, we break the curse of poverty in this region. Father, as a body of believers, the chosen, we break the curse of alcohol. Father, we break the curse of drug addiction. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break the curse of pornography. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break the curse of lust. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break the curse of suicide. We take power. We take spiritual authority over all these things in our region, God. In our homes, in our schools, in our churches. Now, God, keep your hands up. Impart your power and authority unto these chosen ones. Impart your power and authority to these chain breakers. Those who are willing to accept the invitation to be the one who is willing. To be the one who will make a difference. In the name of Jesus, be the one that's willing to make a difference in your family. God chose you in that family. You might be the only one in that family, but God chose you to be the one. To be the one who makes a difference in your workplace. To be the one to make a difference in your neighborhood. To be the one to make a difference in your schools. To be the one to make a difference in your community. To be one of the ones to make a difference in the government. Come on, receive it. Accept the call and be the chosen one. You can receive it if you will believe it. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now over this congregation, God. Your word desire tonight was, God, to remind the church of the power and the Spirit's authority that you have given us. And because we have been chosen, God, Lord, we have a responsibility to do that which you have called each and every one of us. Everyone is important to the kingdom of God. You've placed us strategically in homes and places and workplaces and schools and governments and high places. You put us there, God, to be the one to be the one to break the, the curses of this region off of our lives, God. We break them so they don't end up in our house. God, we break them so they don't end up in our children or our children's children. God, we come against the enemy. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, we break every curse that has been given and spent. We cancel the assignments of our enemy tonight, dear God, by the Spirit's authority as a body of Christ that has been given the right and the privilege to cancel. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, we lift our hands up and we hold them high. We lift our heads up and hold them high. No more, God, will we back down. No more will we run. We'll start to look those things face to face in our families, in our homes, in our schools, in our government, and we'll look them face to face and clear the word of the Lord that will break the bondage, God. We have a responsibility, Lord, we know, to go forward, God, and speak to this nation, God, Lord. We are the chosen ones. We are the ones. Church, you are the one that's been chosen. I ask you right now, if you would, if they would begin to sing and play. I ask you to take a time and worship the God who empowers you, the God who gives you the spiritual authority, the God who's going to change your life, the God who's going to change those things in your family, those things you've been dealing with for so long. God says, I can break it. Matter of fact, I want to break it through you. I want to use you. You're the one I chose you were invited, you accepted, now you're chosen to go and do that which I've called you. Would you sing and let us worship? You are here, you're moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, you're working in this. 
stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop
and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God.
don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God There's no shadow you won't light up Mount you won't climb up Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No, no, no. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. God in his word tonight has told us to multiply, to be fruitful, to subdue. Where subdue means to take control of and to have dominion. That's what he said to believers on this earth should do. We have got to understand the power and the authority that we have as believers. I hope if you got anything out of this tonight, you got out the understanding that you can speak to those things. You can pray about those things, and you can sing of those things, because there is something in you. While the world has an identity crisis, the church should not have an identity crisis. We should know who we are and whose we are. We should know God's plan for our lives. We should have direction. We should have control. We should have power. We should have spiritual authority. All those things in our life. And some of you are living in places and you're the only one you feel like so many times. You want to know why? Because God chose you. When I look at my own family in my life and what I was raised in, a very dysfunctional home, I got three sisters and two brothers. God invited me, and I accepted the invitation. And then God chose me to do something in my family to change a whole generation. It hasn't been easy. I fought many of devils. I fought many, many battles. The fight's not over yet. So if you're that one too, and you're wondering why, oh, you're the only one in your family serving God, the only one in your family this, only one at work doing this, understand why. Because God chose you. He put something in you that he knows is in you. And the thing is, you can't back down, cower down. You have to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy because you have the power and the authority to do it. And if you'll keep fighting, I promise you, you watch, you will win because the Bible says we win. Praise the Lord. I want you to give God a big, great big praise. And I don't want you to leave just yet. Before you leave, we just got a request that uh, most of you know Jeff Slusher. Jeff has been fighting cancer. He's had some good days and some bad days. He's had a tough week this week. He was in Chicago. He had some issues come up, and they hospitalized him. And Regina has just texted and asked this church that she loves, this church that she believes in,
to pray for Jeff. Just in dire shape tonight. He's no longer, because of the swelling in his stomach, he can no longer take food. It's getting very serious. But as believers, we're going to take power and we're going to take authority over this. And we together as a body of Christ are going to pray for Jeff. If you would, would you lift up your hands all across this place? If you're in prayer, if you're in agreement praying with me, lift up your hands. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, Father, we call out one of the chosen ones tonight, God. One of the ones who has a need, God. And we come together as a body of believers in a prayer of agreement. We know that whether two or three are gathered together, you're in the midst. So we know, God, your presence is here. And we stand here as believers. And by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, we speak to Jeff's body. We speak healing, God. We speak that the swelling be gone now in the name of Jesus. We pray that he shall eat and that he shall be strengthened physically, spiritually, emotionally by the power of God. Your omnipresence, God, your presence is here, but God, your presence is there, God. And tonight, God, we pray together. We bind the enemy. God, we cancel the assignment. And God, by the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ, we, God, we ask you to break through, God, Lord. Move on his behalf, dear God. Let thy will be done in his life, God, Lord. Tonight, God, we give you praise and honor. And God, we thankful for the privilege that we can come boldly before the throne room of grace and we can make our petitions known, God, Lord. We lift up our hands with, without wrath or doubting tonight, believing that, God, that you are a God who hears our prayers and you are a God who answers our prayers. Tonight, God, we ask you to move. We ask you to intervene. To, that Jeff has us suddenly, God. That suddenly in that room, the Spirit of God moves upon that man tonight, dear God. You created that body, you can heal that body. Nothing's too big for you, God. You're the Lord God of everything. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. And tonight, dear God, Lord, we claim healing for Jeff, God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody that agrees, give a big shout of amen and a big shout of praise to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Church, go. Multiply. Be fruitful, subdue, and take dominion upon this earth. God bless you. You're dismissed.